0: Good morning and welcome to High Point Online. My name is Andy. I am the lead pastor here, and it is always a delight to be with you to worship together. And uh, with that, we're going to jump right into things today. The Bible is just a collection of old, irrelevant stories that have little bearing on my life. Sound familiar? (laughs) Maybe just a little bit? Some of you are watching today and you were invited maybe to the stream um, and maybe you're not used to church or worshiping online. Maybe it's something new for you and you're like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel You know about the Bible or about the scriptures. It's old, it's irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. It has a little significance in my life. Thank you for being here. Hold that thought. Some of you are watching online and you're like, I don't believe that at all. I've built, I have built my life upon the word, right? And you, you embrace... Ideologically, this idea that the Bible is true, but your life actually doesn't really reflect that, right? So in, in one breath, we believe that it's true, but the way that we live our lives feels a little bit contradictory at times, or maybe a whole lot sometimes. Regardless of where you find yourself, or, or you know, there's the other camp, right, where you're, you're going for it, right? You believe it, you're trying to live it out, uh, great job, All three of you, I want to invite to lean into the message today. And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to consider wherever you are on the the spectrum of the word, so to speak. I want you to consider that maybe, just maybe today, that the scriptures, the holy word of God is far more powerful than you have given it consideration for. That God's word has something to say to you. That God's word has impact for your life. That it actually can shape you. That it actually can alter the course of, of, of the affairs of your life. That it has power and that it has significance. I want you to consider that maybe, just maybe, we have missed... The power and significance of what the scriptures could be and should be in our life. There's a movie called Stargate. And I realize that's a total nerd out moment. And it is. Okay, I have no problems acknowledging this. If my wife were here on camera with me, her eyes would have rolled into the back of her head about 12 times. She hates the movie Stargate. (laughs) I love it, okay? Here's the thing, the premise of the movie goes like this. Archaeologists discover in Egypt this big, basically a disc. It has hieroglyphics on it. It's obviously old. Hundreds and hundreds of years old, and they think they found you know the 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 artifact of the century. They're going to be on the cover of National Geographic. You know they're going to make money. They're going to sell it to a museum. It's going to be the touring exhibit, etc., etc., etc. And as they're doing research on this old thing and this dusty thing, and they're you know they're dusting it off and doing all the stuff, well, all of a sudden this thing actually like starts to move and the disc rotates and and light pours out from this disc and it's not what they thought it was. They thought it was just old and they thought it was just this, basically this old artifact that could, you know, tell them a little, you know, some story about what life used to be like back then. But all of the sudden, this more or less portal opens and it's a Stargate. It allows them to travel to a different part of the galaxy. You might be sitting here thinking, that sounds terrible. It's amazing. Don't fight me on it, okay? (laughs) Whether you like the movie or not isn't the point. PSA, public service, Stargate's not real, in case you were wondering, okay? I know, some of you are disappointed. But here's the deal. We all get this idea that there are so many things in our life that we just, we miss the power of. We miss its significance. Maybe it's something as simple as a friendship. Coffee with a friend. How many times have we just all the, you know, you finally get that coffee and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so good for my soul. You forgot the power of just sitting and knowing somebody and being in relationship with somebody. Every single year, there are stories of people who get mauled by a pet, an exotic pet in their home, right? It, it, they've kept in the basement. And the story comes out and they're like, well, I was just petting my 700-pound tiger. And it's like, it's a 700-pound tiger. What were you thinking? What did you think was going to happen? Well, I just forgot, you know, that it's a 700-pound t- You forgot the power of what was in your house. You missed it. We forget the power of church. And church community. We forget the power of of literally just offering a kind word. Of loving one another. Simple things. And far more than any relationship. Far more than an exotic pet hiding in your basement. Far more than cultural trends or societal influence. Far more than all of these things is the power and influence of the word of God and many times we forget we forget the power and significance of what is being communicated to us in this word you're familiar with it you have access to it you're used to seeing it most people not everyone but most people have some kind of Bible doesn't mean that they read it but they have one right And so we just, out of familiarity, we lose the power and significance of the Scriptures. Now the Bible has been used, let's be very clear. I'm about to talk about some amazing things that the Word of God has helped accomplish throughout the world. But I also want to qualify this. I I recognize that people have abused and misused the Scriptures. They have. Anything that has power... People clamor to, to get a hold of, and sometimes they can even use it to oppress people, right, to control and manipulate. That has happened at times with the Bible. But when you look at the grand scale of history, right, the amazing things done because of people being influenced and changed and shaped by the scriptures, it far outweighs the latter. Take a look at this. Uh, hospitals, just as an example. Hospitals, uh, which essentially began during the Middle Ages, they were started out of a desire to show compassion to the poor and sick, rooted in Jesus' commandment to love your neighbor. Universities were started with a desire to educate students in the word and in the mission of God. If you didn't know, Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth, the College of William and Mary, Princeton, Rutgers, Notre Dame, Georgetown, and we're just getting started. Old universities were started with, with a Christian foundation and a desire to educate the masses in the mission of God and the truths of God. While this was while we've seen this being used in oppressive ways as well, um, the Bible was used to help abolish slavery. Right? It was the scriptures that moved and proved true to people historically in antiquity and ultimately in the United States as well. We see the elevation of women in the way that Jesus treated women in the Bible. The dignity in which he interacted with them. We see an elevation of, of female status through scripture. Benevolence, charity, of biblical pursuits of justice. A high regard for human life. Human life. We see the codifying and setting of, uh, of many of the world's languages. Are, were, was accomplished through the translation literally of the Bible. In an attempt to give them the word. And then of course where would we be? With all of the different art and music. That has been shaped by the scriptures. Works by Raphael. Salvador Dali, Michelangelo, Rembrandt, Carvaggio. And the list goes on and on. The word of God has shaped the world. I want to say that again. The, the word of God, the Bible, it has shaped the world. But has it shaped you? It's one thing to say that the, the, the Bible has shaped the world out there, but has, it, has the Bible shaped you in here? Has it changed you? Has it shaped you? Has it convicted you? Has it made you cause, you know, given you cause to pause and pray and seek God? The Bible points us to Jesus, our ultimate treasure. And so has the Bible, has it done that for you? Because let me tell you something. You don't come into relationship with Jesus and walk away unchanged. Unchanged. And so when we read the Bible, we're introduced to him. We're drawn into relationship with him. You're invited into relationship with him. It's not just a book. It's not just old writings that are irrelevant to you. And I can say that as somebody who kind of felt that way, especially reading the Old Testament. Even Jesus was shaped by the word. Look at this in Matthew chapter 4. Verse 1, Jesus, the Bible says, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus has just started his ministry. Uh, He's getting after it, right? He's getting ready to start preaching. He's getting ready to start healing the sick. He's getting ready to start performing miracles. It's game time, okay? So the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. As I mentioned, Jesus is beginning his ministry And it all begins with the Holy Spirit sending him out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan shows up and tries to tempt him and encourages him to take matters into his own hands. You're the son of God. You're all powerful, right? And if that's in fact true, then do this, right? Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus responds, man doesn't live by bread alone, but on the word of God. The words of God. Consider what Jesus is saying. He has not eaten in 40 days. 40. And the, I love that the Bible says, and he was hungry. Okay? <laughs> Jesus hasn't eaten 40 days and he was hungry. <laughs> you better believe he was hungry. When Amy and I moved to Orlando, we rented out a room uh, to somebody that was a campus minister that was in our church, they were a college pastor. And she came to us at one point and she said, hey, I am really feeling led to fast. And I feel led to fast for 40 days. A 40 day fast, just like Jesus, liquid only. And you know, as a good pastor, you know, I'm like, oh, that is awesome. And then, you know, we closed the bedroom door and Amy and I are like, oh my gosh, can you believe this? She's fasting for four days, and she lost her mind, right? Because obviously I was very spiritual about it. she, so she's fasting liquid only, and the reality is, as Westerners, A, we're not that used to fasting. Most of us don't fast or have never fasted, and B, uh, if you're going to fast, you're probably not coming out of the gate with a 40-day fast. Well, she, that's what she did, and she crushed it. And she talked about what was produced in her life as she was fasting for 40 days liquid only but she talked about the fact you know we had a few kids at the time and they were very little still had high chairs and sometimes she would come into the house and she'd walk past the high chair and there would be nothing but like food scraps from a baby okay on the high chair like just little crumbs or i mean we know kids are messy right just just the messiness of a high chair and she looked at it and she said she she saw that food literally just the scraps, the crumbs of it, and everything inside of her wanted to just reach down and stuff it in her mouth. She was that hungry. When the Bible says that Jesus was hungry, Jesus was hungry, okay? When we talk to somebody who's fasted for 40 days, they express being hungry. So when when Jesus is speaking to Satan here and he says, hey, listen, it's not bread that's going to ultimately satisfy my need right here. What I need, ultimately what the world needs, is the word of God. Active in their life. That is where true nourishment comes. Jesus isn't in denial that eventually he's gonna need to eat food. Okay? He's not, he's not saying that, but he literally has denied himself for 40 days to remind his flesh that the thing that sustains him more than anything else in this world, even more than food, is the word of God. Man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's not just food that you need. It's not just water that you need. We need God's word. And many of us have learned to live our lives in such a way where the word of God has little significance in our life. It has little power in our life, little nourishment to us and little sustenance to us. But understand when we talk about God's power and through the word in your life, God's word sustains you. A lot of times what we don't know uh, when we read from Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days is that he is quoting quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 where there's another people, not just a person but a people who are also in the wilderness, but they're not there for 40 days. They're there for 40 years. And the reason that they're there for 40 years is because of a moment. We don't, we don't have time to get into all the details of it today, but they disobeyed God. And part of their consequence was to wander the desert, the, the, the wilderness for 40 years, right? The wilderness season. And in order for them to survive, God had to provide for them. He had to sustain them. So every day they would wake up. And there would be this thing called manna that was on the ground. And it basically was like this, this little wafer, so to speak, that would give them food and nourishment for the day. And literally by the end of the day, it would be gone. And the next day, it would appear again. And so what we see is a people having to depend on, on God and his provision literally daily. Daily. For his sustenance. It didn't come from their efforts. It didn't come from their farming. It didn't come uh, from them raiding the camps of their enemy or from hunting or from anything. It came from trusting what God said he would do. His word. And this is what Deuteronomy 8 says. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes didn't wear out, and your feet didn't swell during these 40 years this is a powerful account and god was testing them and understand it was the holy spirit that led jesus into the wilderness In other words, he's allowing Jesus to be tested as well to see what's in his heart. And in the same way, the Israelites were tested as well. And what they were being called to do and what God was teaching them to do was to trust him and to trust his word. To trust what he was saying to his people. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 The wisdom of Solomon says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Man, the word of God sustains you. It does something inside of you. It literally, it it points you to the one who gives you life. And that one is named Jesus. As I was preparing for the message, you know, I have, I, I have a paper Bible and, and sometimes I read from this, sometimes I read the, the Bible on an iPad or a phone. Many times it's on my phone and I'm trying to actually get away from that because uh, it's easy just to get distracted with all the other thousand things on my phone. But nevertheless, I still read the Bible on my phone a lot. I use the YouVersion Bible app. And the U version Bible app allows you to record notes, and almost like a little journal at times uh, as you're reading the Bible. And as I was preparing for this message, I thought, you know what, I'm going to look back and see because we forget the power and significance of the word, do we not? As I mentioned earlier in the message, we forget it. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to look back. So I scrolled back ten years in the Bible app, in the notes portion. 10 years, okay? And I'm gonna to read to you word for word what I wrote September 18th, 2011. Philippians chapter four was the passage that I was in. On not being anxious for anything, but by prayer and petition, bring my requests to the Lord. Right? And I quote, this has been an incredibly stressful season for me. (laughs) There's so many things I'm trying to figure out. Money challenges, where to plant a church. My son's eczema, skin challenges, ministry and relational strains at church. The need to grow personally. It's been overwhelming to me to say the least. Sometimes it's easy to forget the nature of God in the midst of all my concerns. He is a listener and loves us to pray to him and give our concerns to him he is a great God and there is absolutely nothing too big or small for him he is a restorer and loves to make things new by his miraculous power he is a healer and loves to show compassion through his touch he is a guardian and loves to defend and watch out for me going so far as to send me a gift of peace to guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus Philippians chapter 4 he is a good God and he is a good father. When I remind myself of who God truly is, my stress has nothing to say, nothing to offer, nothing to provide. It can create nothing, give nothing, and do nothing. It can solve nothing. It is nothing. God is everything. End note for September 18th, 2011. Why am I sharing that with you? Because I needed the word of God to sustain me. And like most meals, right? how, How many times do you eat a day, right? Three, nine, you know, a lot between snacks. Most of the meals that you eat, you don't remember those meals, right? In the same way, I didn't remember writing that in 2011. I have no memory of that. I have a vague memory of some of the things I mentioned in it, but I don't even know what I was referencing. I don't recall it. And the truth of the matter is when I eat from the word, when I, when I allow the word to nourish me and sustain me, the truth is most of the time, it's not these magical moments where Jesus shows up in a cloud and just bam, blows the room up and I'll never forget that moment. That rarely is how it actually occurs. It's far more normative. It's far more pace driven. It's far more just simply engaging with the scripture and it allows, it nourishes me and it sustains me in the same way that I eat normal meals most of the day and most weeks. And I couldn't even tell you what I ate. I don't remember. And yet what did it do? It nourished me and it sustained me. That's how the word of God works in our lives. That's not to say that you won't have significant moments that you never forget. But day in, day out, it's oftentimes just simply the normative rhythm of being pointed to Jesus, of letting the alive and active word of God move in your life. But there's also significant moments too. I have what you call power verses, right? Or a life verse that's just defined you, right? That it's ministering to you deeply in in a difficult time or in a hard moment. I am reminded of the story of Corey Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom, I mispronounced her name. She is somebody that, she's a hero, right? She wrote the book, The Hiding Place. She opened her home, her family, they, she opened their home to Jewish refugees uh, during World War II, and members of the resistance movement. And so uh, consequently, they were sought after by the Gestapo. She and her family, uh, they, they hid Jews, they smuggled them to safety, and eventually they're captured and they're put in a concentration camp. And she writes about the temptation to become apathetic towards God and others in the camp. She's starved of freedom. She's starved of food. She's starved of family. But what kept her alive in her own words is a contraband Bible that she miraculously kept hidden throughout her ordeal. She described, and I quote, gulping the entire New Testament in one sitting, or the Gospels, excuse me, in one sitting, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and living in the truths of the word as if they were written to her exact situation. She talks about the bunkhouse that she was living in. It was so flea-ridden that soldiers didn't even want to come in. The enemy wouldn't even come in. It was so filthy was so fleering, so nasty that nobody from the outside even dared enter. And so what they would do is they would take this contraband Bible, they'd open it, and they would read it out loud, oftentimes with nothing but a candle, and there would be voices, people they couldn't even see around the room, who were translating it into German, Polish, and French. And she says this, and I quote, it's a lengthy quote. She says, like homeless people clustered around a blazing fire, we gathered around the Bible. Holding out our hearts to its warmth and its light. The blacker the night around us grew, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the word of God. I would look about us as Betsy read, watching the light leap from face to face more than conquerors. It was not a wish. It was a fact. We knew it. We experienced it minute by minute, poor, hated, and hungry. We are more than conquerors. Not we shall be. We are. She's quoting the book of Romans. That you and I and Corey Ten Boom are more than conquerors. What did the word do for her? It sustained her, it nourished her, it pointed her to Christ, it brought a warmth into the depths of her soul that nothing else could do. What does God's word do for you? How does it shape you? Well, one of the first things that it does is it sustains you. I close with this. In Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, Jeremiah the prophet writes in the midst of great difficulty as he's prophesying to a a people who have rejected him and are trying to kill him. He says, your words are what sustain me. They are food to my hungry soul. They bring joy to my sorrowing heart and delight me. How proud I am to bear your name, O Lord. How proud I am to bear your name. What does the Word of God do for you? It sustains you, not just in difficult times. And thank God that it does that. It nourishes and sustains and it brings hope as you read it because it points you to the one who has all hope in the palm of his hands and that is Jesus. Oh, the word of God nourishes and sustains you through difficult times. But even in the normal times, even in the great times, it's the Word of God that brings true nourishment and true life. Not all the other things that you've got or that you've experienced. And it's one of the reasons why the Word, it, 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 it reminds us not to put faith and hope in all the things around us, our possessions or our experiences or our abilities, but to continue trusting in what God says because that is what will anchor your soul. This is what will bring nourishment to you. This. This is what will bring sustenance to you. The word of God sustains you. I mentioned this last week and I'm mentioning it again today. If you're wanting to just start reading the Bible, you can start anywhere. But we would recommend that you start reading in the book of Mark. There's 16 chapters. You can read one a day for 16 days. And when you're done with that, begin reading from the book of Acts. And allow yourself daily to get into the scriptures, and let it bring nourishment and sustenance to your soul. It will point you to Jesus, the greatest treasure that you will ever experience. And then one of the fun and exciting things that's coming up as we get closer to the month of December is that we're we're putting together an Advent devotional. Right, Where we're we're going to contribute. Uh, portions of the scripture and people's experience similar to the thing that i read from september you know of 2011 where people can hear how the word of god has helped them and blessed them and it's a devotional that i think is going to to bless a lot of people heading into christmas and you'll have opportunities to hear more about that in just a bit we want to help you get into reading the bible engaging with scripture Because we know it will bless you and it will sustain you. So let's read it. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the word of God, your word. It is alive and it is active. God, it is at work. It shapes us, it's powerful, it's influential. God, help us not to ignore it Help us to not take it for granted. Help us to not become so overly familiar with it that we just don't care. God, help us to be reminded of of the treasure of knowing you through reading the word. I pray that it would bring sustenance to us, sustain us as your people. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Look forward to seeing you next week.